and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin, and this is my co-host, Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today, we're joined by the creators of the podcast, Spooky Movie Squad, and so much more. Welcome to Affable Chat, Otis and Katie. Hi. Very happy to be here. And we've brought them here today because we're talking about Get Out. Gordon and Emily, this is Chris. Chris, this is Gordon and Emily Green. Chris, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, nice to meet you Chris. Nice to meet you indeed. Oh, that's quite a grip. Thank you. You too, man. You, uh, you ever play golf? Once. A few years ago. I wasn't very good. Gordon was a professional golfer for years. Oh, you kidding? Well, I can't quite swing the hips like I used to, though. But, uh, I do know Tiger. That's great. Super. Gordon loves Tiger. Oh, the best I've ever seen, ever. Hands down. Uh, so, Chris, uh, let, let's see your form. This is an African-American psychological horror movie. Directed by Jordan Peele. The cast includes O.J. Haywood, Peter Pan Live, Josh Lyman, Maxine Lund, Red Welby, a bassist from Whiplash, Lainey Rucker, Cassius Green, Bill Dotrieve, and Lil Rel Howery. I watched this movie on Peacock. Otis <laughs> really? and Katie. How did you watch it? Yeah, I did. My buddy logged in at my house. Shout out Nick uh, for logging in at my house so I had access to this. What about you, Otis and Katie? Uh, Peacock and on Blu-ray. Ooh, oh, nice. Very nice. Joey, how about I you? I watched it on Netflix. Cool. I didn't even know it was on Netflix. Dang. Yeah. It's, uh, when I looked it up on Google, it said, Fourth most searched for movie available on Hulu. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is what, quite an acolyte. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a great Put that film. that so. leaves on the cover of the movie. <laughs> it makes sense that people are looking for it. Um, okay. Well, before we begin our analysis of this film, we will succinctly summarize the events in our special 60-second synopsis. If you'd like to skip the synopsis, just scrub ahead 60 seconds right now. Chris and his girlfriend Rose are traveling to meet her parents, the Armitages. When they arrive, Chris notices strange things about the way they talk and act, but he chalks it up to nerves on his part and racism on theirs. During the night, Chris goes out for a smoke, but is intercepted by Rose's mother, Missy. Missy puts him in a hypnotic trance. Chris wakes in his bed, believing it's a dream. The next day, a caravan of wealthy white people show up at the Armitages for a party. Chris is uncomfortably poked, prodded, and sized up. Another black person attending the party gives Chris a weird vibe, and when Chris takes his picture, the man freaks out, telling Chris to get out. The white people then hold a secret silent auction. A blind art dealer wins the prize, Chris's body. The Armitages, including Rose, corner Chris and subdue him. He is tied to a chair to await the brain transplant. Chris waits for the Armitage son to untie him and suddenly attacks him. He fights off and kills all the members of the Armitage family one by one, barely escaping. His friend Rod, suspicious of Chris's stories from the weekend, tracks him down and finds him in the road, then drives him home. The end. There you have it. The events of Get Out succinctly summarized. Woo. And uh, <laughs> we'll begin our conversation with our pros and our cons. Uh, Katie and Otis, what did you like about this film? So it's, if you know me, uh, it's funny, I'm using a quote from what I do on the podcast. But if you know me, there's certain things I absolutely love. It's sci-fi, horror, and comedy. And with the director, Jordan Peele, how he just blends funny, spooky, and just weird all together, uh, it makes me really happy. Um, there's a subgenre of scary movies that Katie and I uh, just habitually 
like watch return to return to and it's this new generation of scary where it's like oh it's about vampires but on the surface it's about gentrification mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. i always think that's the coolest way to introduce Things that people might not even think about, you know, uh, sure, you could have just a racist movie where, you know, white people are just the devil chasing down black people, or you could find a hip, spiffy way to do it. And, you know, just the way this movie works. So uh, one of my pros is just the racial metaphors. And I actually wrote a list of them. It's absurd how many just <laughs> metaphors, color, and just words people use, and just things in the background. It's absolutely absurd what Jordan Peele put into this movie. What about you, Katie? Uh, the biggest pro for me in this movie is honestly like the first five minutes oh. uh, of them. It's the the couple at their apartment or whatever, and they're talking about going to see her family. And the accuracy of that conversation of a mixed race couple, which we are, uh, for those of you who are listening, um, <laughs> The the accuracy of that conversation is incredible. Yeah. You know, it turns out Rose is a psychotic bitch throughout the movie <laughs> at the end. You know, she goes insane and is doing some wild stuff. But at the beginning, like, there, it was so easy for me and Otis to connect to that conversation because that is a conversation that we had at one point in our relationship, you know, meeting the family on both sides. You know, it was stressful for him to meet my family because... Not because of this movie. My family's not like this. Any of the people in this movie. <laughs> Thank God. But you know, there there is that that weird tension of like, okay, well, are we going to connect? Is someone going to say something inappropriate or racist? Like, what's what do we do when that arises? Like, how are we going to handle that? And on the same side, like, I was super nervous when I met Otis's family for the first time, um, and it's was very interesting in this movie to actually see that happen on screen because not. Most other movies that have an interracial couple don't ever deal with something like that. And it's this very unique experience that interracial couples get to deal with. And I absolutely love that about this film before the chaos starts. (laughs) The, um, the growing unease, that's the best word I could say just from the beginning. um, Usually when a black person or just a minority is in a scary movie, uh, we, we count minorities that die in our scary movies. (laughs) And I think right now we're up to 400. 400. We just crossed the 400 Out mark, of our yeah. 300 movies we've done since we started this. And anytime a minority's on the screen, you're like, you're going to die. It's going to happen. And with this movie, you just following Chris, and he actually made a lot of good decisions in this movie, which is weird because usually minority, something happens and they go the wrong way and they get caught up. But like every time he met somebody or someone said something weird or a flash would go off, and just everybody around him just kept being weird and his face. And then a couple of times he goes, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. And he's just confused about it. And I just feel it in my chest because I'm like, man, I don't want him to die. But it's just wanting to see it. And, yeah. and man, it is such, oh, it's such a good feeling. I loved it. Love the unease in this movie. All right. Well, um, what about you, Joey? What were some of the things you liked about uh, Get Out? Those are, those are great stuff. Um, for me, it's a surprising and wholly original story. This movie takes a lot of uh, like, uh, inspiration from other famous horror movies, but it's really its own thing on its own. It's not a zombie movie. It's not a robot movie. You know, it's not even Stepford Wives. It's something totally different. 
Um, I think the script is just as tight as it could possibly be, as tight as a whip. It just cracks. It's so beautiful. Um, really, really remarkable performances from da uh, Daniel Kalula to Kaluuya, sorry, and Allison Williams. Both of them just sell it so well. Allison Williams, especially, like the the way she she has that dynamic between like the um, you know the sympathetic uh, girlfriend to being the like so sociopath is is amazing. Um, like all of Jordan Peele's uh, movies, this movie is really tense and psychologically terrifying. I think I'm more scared of this movie after finishing it than have been when I'm watching it, um, and I feel that way <laughs> after watching all of his movies. Um, and really simple, but very beautiful visual effects are used in this movie. I love that. Uh, it's all supported by the script and the, ca and the cast. I think that's really amazing. Um, there's this really deep, as Otis has mentioned already, uh, it's a very deep and satisfying satire of liberal racism that only ages like wine as this film goes from being an accurate reflection <laughs> to a prescient masterpiece. Um, I have a couple things in here that I want to talk about where this movie is a litmus test. You know, it's not that if you don't like the movie, you're a racist, but if you don't like specific things about the movie, it certainly tells, says a lot about you. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <I love> <laughs> yeah. You, I, 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 when I was researching this movie, I saw Daniel Kaluuya getting interviewed by Stephen Colbert and he was saying that like things, there's things in the movie you hear where people are kind of they say weird things to black people because they don't know how to be around them and it's like the <laughs> the new way to say some of my friends are black is to say uh you know like uh, oh i loved get out like i saw instead of saying <laughs> oh, I, I voted for obama would, two times right it's like instead I of I voted, voted, for time. yeah i saw get out two times you know so, uh which i thought was funny also hearing him his british accent like he does such a great job in this movie of sounding american and then hearing him is, is the way he actually speaks is so shocking um anyways okay sorry i'll get back to uh the pros and what i liked about this movie it's scary in the best way uh jordan peele is my favorite horror director because it's thrilling and scary but not something that put i'm kind of a scaredy cat and I know i'm talking to two horror <laughs> podcasters here so uh you know it's a little different for me whenever i go into a horror movie it is really uh you know taxing to to go through that but not not when i'm watching jordan peele it's it's always worth it and always uh like goes right up to my the line for me without going over it so i think that's great um you know the psychological horror is what i'm really into uh, insightful social commentary like we've said the twist villain reveal is so great. I, I watched this movie with my fiance and it was her first time seeing it. And the whole time having her rooting for their relationship, like at the very beginning, <laughs> like they kiss and she's like, oh, that's just like us. And I'm like, you don't know what you're saying. <laughs> so I love that. They do such a, like in red, like watching this movie the second time is just as good because everything is in plain sight. And I love movies that do that. Rod is hilarious. Still great great comedic relief and you got to have comedic relief um the ending i think is really satisfying i know that there's there's like uh to all these other potential endings that were uh, talked about i'm glad they went with this one and like joey said that the script is tight nothing is wasted everything means something uh which again is really easy to see uh on the rewatch so all that stuff is really great so a lot of pros a lot of praise for this film uh now let's look a little bit more uh critically and talk about what we didn't like so what are your cons uh and we'll go to otis and katie for that first so it was one of my pros the the racial metaphors in this movie but it's kind of a double-edged sword because 
there are metaphors that most definitely people are like, well, why did he like hold up that buck, like that head? What did that mean? And then I saw it. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, that makes sense. And just certain phrases and just way things, way people said things. Uh, it just, if you don't know, it just kind of feels like you're left out. And there have been movies, um, like well, black movies, that kind of do this. Um, I always think about uh, Spike Lee, uh, like Crooklyn and uh, Do the Right Thing. There are always phrases in those movies that come out and people will be like, just whoop, just go over some people's head because they just, you haven't lived that. You haven't seen it before. You're like, I don't know what that meant. And, you know, other people are in the room laughing. Uh, one example I could think of is like watching stand up like a black comedian sometimes and like just there'll be a joke I absolutely almost pee myself and Katie's like <laughs> okay I kind of get it and then there'll be some like Latino like comedian and Katie's like killing it and I'm just like I don't I don't understand I, I, don't, I don't get it all the way I, I get it but I don't get it so like I said it's a double-edged sword it could go both ways and so most definitely because there were things I kind of knew and then later I looked it up. I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense to me. But if I kind of got it, there are obviously people out there that were like, what the hell did that mean? I don't get any of that. Yeah. Katie. Um, I think the con of this movie is that the overall story or meaning of it is that white people are the devil. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all fine. A lot of white people suck. And there are a lot of racist, just idiots everywhere. But the there's already this horrible, like this stigma and hatred towards like white passing, white passing women dating black men that is like hated on in the within the black community. Mm. And there's a lot of just negativity towards that sentiment, like that white women are stealing black men from black women or, you know, a bl the black man couldn't handle a black woman. So he settled for a white woman or whatever. There's a lot of that just out in the world because stereotypes and racism. And this movie just like packed it on with Alison Williams, like not ending up on his side at the end and her turning out to be like horrible and evil, like the rest of her family. Yeah. It just <laughs> packed that on and made it, Fulfilling Worse. the stereotype, yeah. Yeah, fulfilling the stereotype. And it was like, it sucked to see it as a white passing woman who is married to a black man. And also to think about like Jordan Peele, who is also married to a white woman. Like, this is the whole plot of my movie. White women are bad. And it's just like, <laughs> bro, that was a lot. <laughs> it it kind of ties into uh, the third kind of con. Uh, it's just kind of some of the messages were kind of heavy-handed and i think um one of my uh like when i write music uh one of the people that taught me always said you write music for the dumbest person in the band because if they can get it the really good people will find ways to make it sound better like oh i wouldn't play that note i would do this note so i think sometimes with messages in movies you have to kind of play it for the dumbest person because they might not catch the you know like eating cereal, just like putting the colored cereal in your mouth and then drinking milk. Some people wouldn't get that. So you have to, you know, give them the, you know, the big hammer over the head, racist. And like, oh, oh, she's bad. Okay, 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 oh. okay, okay. 
I get it. I'm with you guys on the train now. I didn't. I was kind of off to the side. I didn't see it before, but I you've opened yeah. my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, with horror movies, that happens a lot because usually yeah. horror movies hour and a half. Uh, you don't have enough time to really Spell like. Oh, let's let's give Joey like a good 15 minute like backstory and show no. when he was a kid no. and his family got eaten by like these cannibals and that's why he's so mad. Horror movies are playing <laughs> to the dumbest audience. You, you can't do that. Like the best Joey will get is a picture in his room and it shows the family and he'll look at it and he'll just like grimace and walk off. And you're like, like, oh, he hates his family. Got it. So, you know, Sometimes that's all you get in a horror movie because you gotta, you, we gotta keep moving. We gotta get to the kills. We gotta get to the, you know, to the, the entertaining flip. part. So I think sometimes the message a little heavy-handed, but um, looking at Jordan Peele's future ideas, um, I think sometimes the message. Well, I like what. Nope, that message was. Oh, that message was a lot. Maybe one day we'll talk about it. But <laughs> I loved it. What? Uh, yeah. Um, that's really interesting. We've talked about the value of vagary on this podcast a lot um, about whether or not a vague ending actually serves a movie well or not. And I've sort of come down on the side of subtlety is overvalued. Like we don't actually need subtlety as much as people think we do. And in, a lot, in many cases it could be construed as cowardice, but I wouldn't necessarily describe this movie in that way. I think that it works in so many different levels. Like it works as a simple horror movie where it's very easy to tell what's going on. And then it works as this greater racial metaphor that people that are attuned to that kind of thing can catch that I think it actually does capture all four, court, all four quadrants in that way. Um, so not to say that your, your, pro, your con is invalid, um, <laughs> but I do think that this movie does a really good job of straddling that line where a lot of other movies don't. Yeah. Um, for me, I think the only thing that I could think of, and this is really not a big deal, but the, the black people that are inhabited by the grandparents are also performing servant roles. And I feel like that kind of mixes <laughs> the metaphor in a way that doesn't really make sense. But it's sort of trying to do a bunch of things, right? It's trying to say like the possession of black bodies, both as a commodity that you can use for your labor, but also as a way for you to live forever, right? And if yeah. you were having two different brainwashing techniques about one for living forever and one for servants, I feel like it would get really confusing. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with this choice, even though I do think it kind of muddles the, the idea a little bit. And one other benefit to having it do, do, for this kind of uh, muddledness is you get some really amazing acting from the people uh, who are doing Georgina and Walter, when she's crying and laughing at the same time. Oh, so spooky. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> really great stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm coming at this from a similar angle where it's like, I, <laughs> like a, when we first started this podcast, I, I showed up for an episode where I was like, yeah, I don't have any cons. And Joey's like, oh, so it's a perfect movie then. And it's like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> let me see if I can look back at my notes. So um, I think because this movie is so layered with meaning, um, it makes me want to for it all to be layered with meaning. And I felt like the Armitage family all die in such meaningful ways, ways that were set up throughout the film. And having Missy just die from being stabbed in the face, um, I felt like it was like, okay, that's great. I was happy that when it happened, but I could have gone for something more poetic, right? Like, what if he oh, stabbed her in the eye with a spoon or something? Or, you know, like choked her by <laughs> shoving good, yeah. the like teacup in her mouth and she chokes on it. I don't know. Um, so I, I guess we could have had a more poetic end for Missy, who was 
you know, kind of like low key, the one in charge, you know, she was the matriarch. She, when everyone's getting out of hand, she's the one who calmly like, all right, listen to me. And she's the one who does the whole hypnosis thing. It's very key to, uh, you know, subduing their victims. So, uh, yeah, I could have used that more, but again, very much a minor, uh, you know, objection to what otherwise a pretty great film. So those are our pros and our cons. Let's move on to the overall section and I'll pass it over to Joey to get us started. So you guys have already talked a little bit about why you picked this movie or what this movie means to you, but can you expand on that a little bit? So it, us, for us, I, I like to say that uh, we have dealt with a lot of these instances. Uh, Katie was saying like the scene from the beginning where they're talking about meeting the stress. Know, Rose's family. Even before that scene, because that was really early, there's three minutes before that with Andre and this guy is just walking in a nice neighborhood, minding his own business, trying to get somewhere. And then just a creepy car is just driving the other way and just turns around, starts following him. And just every word he said, he's like, okay, that's weird. And kept walking. He's like, Nope, Nope, not going to be me. And he walks the other way. And then the car turns around again. He's like, fuck it's, I have felt that I've, I've, I've had that happen. And it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I don't look weird. I'm not doing anything weird. And you see someone looking at you you're like, okay, okay, we're good. We're good. Uh, it just, this movie just popped. It just checked a list of things that I've dealt with um, at parties and no, no, like uh, slight at our friends and stuff. But usually I am Katie and I, we are pretty low in the like minority group for a lot of the times where we hang out with friends. And so that feel that Chris was at that party. And just it just felt like everybody was kind of looking at him. And this is like the extreme of every weird feeling of a minority. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you know, some people are like it feels like everybody's looking at me for Chris. They were looking at him because they wanted him. <laughs> but like it's everything he's, he did when he saw Andre again and he's like, hey, dude, you know, tried to like, you know, give him a fist bump or say like, hey, man, there's a lot of white people in here. And just, I, I've done that. I've given the nod. And you, know, you call it the nod. You either go up or you nod down. But mm -hmm. if I see another black person, I'll look at him like, yep. And we nod just to acknowledge. An, acknowledge, an acknowledgement. And I was yeah. like, I see you over there. I'm like, I see you too. Like, <laughs> and then we just go about our day. So it just, I've, I've felt a lot of this. And you got anything to add to that? No. Yeah. That was I I think that's that great. One of the, my favorite parts of this whole movie is the conflation between what is just casual racism that you are supposed to just put up with and what yeah. is um, actually malicious, you know? And it's, oh, it's so amazing. It's, it's, it's the horror movie idea and like actual racism like tied together in this really amazing web, right? Because you have, um, Chris, you have Chris who's in the middle of it, right? And when you're in the middle of it, you don't notice or you excuse or you just kind of get used to all the little yeah. pokes and prods, right? It's like the little tiny cuts you get, you just eventually become numb to them, right? But as soon as he explains any piece of this to Rod, Rod's like, this is bad. This is a bad situation, yeah. you know? <laughs> and that's what we're thinking. That's what we're thinking on the outside, right? But when you're in it, it's different. When you're in it, it feels different. And when you're in, like, the same thing could be said for both being the only black person in like a white party, right? And being 
uh, a horror movie protagonist in a bad situation. You know, you walk into the hunt, you walk into the cabin, and you're like, oh, it's 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 fine, it's creaky and weird and a little creepy, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up with that because you know it's, it was cheap and uh, no one else is out here. You know, <laughs> but anyone watching from the outside is like, this is bad. This is I know it's gonna happen. This is a bad situation. So I, I love the blend with that. I think it's brilliant and it makes it so easy and accessible for someone like me who's never had to experience real racism before, right? To imagine what that situation is like. Because I can imagine myself in a in a horror movie situation where everyone's watching me and maybe gonna take my brain, right? <laughs> um and it's almost easier to can like to put myself in that situation than it is to like put myself in this in the skin of a of a black person. And and to Brit make to for Jordan Peele to make this movie accessible for someone like me and to make that that feeling so palpable for me is is really incredible and i think it's really a a testament to um his like understanding of the of like movie going audiences but also just like his own situation right as a black person in hollywood right having to deal with these kind of problems and then coming to this like how do i make this into a metaphor how do i make people other people understand right yeah. that's real talent as as a as an artist i think and um, I, I admire that so much. So yes, th- thank you for sharing that. I, I, it reaffirms what I already believed about this movie. Hearing it from your <laughs> lips actually it makes me feel uh, this movie is even greater uh, than, than I did before. Um, uh, this movie obviously takes a lot of homages from other horror movies, especially like very famous ones. But what did it remind you guys specifically of? So I know we were talking about it. And like I said, we've, I feel like such a poser saying it like that. Like I'm pushing my glasses up. <laughs> I mean, we see a lot of scary movies, you know? <laughs> but it, it, to us, like certain scary movies, there's some type of resolution that they want. Either it's a cautionary tale, like, well, you know, Katie, you said those words in that book and the demon popped out. So don't read from a fucking book <laughs> or it's just... Or it's just Katie just went on a trip and bad people came well, to her. Well, it's like a morality tale, you know? right? That's like it's the classic morality tale. The the pure person, right? The teenagers right? The person. went into the the cabin to to have sex and do drugs, and that's why right. they had to die. But the one that <laughs> abstained is the one that that survives, right? right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it, it always uh, certain movies always make me think of like Twilight Zone episodes. And go figure, Jordan Peele was one of the components to Twilight Zone being being brought back after this movie. Uh, Like I said, like Jordan Peele, like hid the horror, Like he hit the sci-fi, just a little bit sci-fi in this movie, but it's like more a thriller. But if you look at his next movies, like um, us, us is crazy, a crazy sci-fi idea. And then nope, nope, that's legit. Straight up alien. Yeah. And so (laughs) I think he, he, tricked in a good way people it's like oh you like scary movies here you go i'm gonna have this weird little thing in the corner and it's like oh that was good oh you like that uh here's a movie about weird clones <laughs> oh you like that that's cool uh, what about this weird alien thing that's chasing people like yes. <laughs> and they're like yeah we're cool with that and it's like oh sweet so i honestly think like uh twilight zone like tales from the crypt uh stories that have you know beginning middle and end but there's always some little twist like right at the end especially in tales from the crypt because that just hooks people and want to, you know, watch the next episode. Uh, but no, I l- absolutely think about like a cautionary TV show tale. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more Twilight Zone than anything else. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. nothing like any of the traditional horror 
tropes or stories. And it's not really, there's nothing else quite like Twilight, Twilight Zone um, in the way that they tell stories. It's very uh, dramatized. Like, it's more drama than it is horror. Yeah. And then you get to it. There's a point in every Twilight yeah. Zone episode where it switches from like, oh, there's like the normal dramas of life. And then, oh, shit, some crazy thing just happened. And that's what this movie is. Like, it is like, oh, normal couple, like, dealing with their life and introducing family. Oh, my God. They're, like, taking brains out of people. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is so chaotic. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely Twilight Zone. I feel like, um, I think the way I would describe it is high concept, right? Very easy to, to oh, digest, yeah. simple idea. You can explain it in, like, a sentence. And then the rest of it's built on top of that. I feel like both of those things definitely do that. So, I mean, you're talking about like the blend with sci-fi and horror. Do you feel like, um, do you feel like, uh, horror is a more accessible genre, and like Jordan Peele's trying to get people more into sci-fi, or or do you feel like horror works best when it's with sci-fi? Like, what is that relationship like? Do you think? So, I think that sci-fi as a whole is very hard to get into to be like the big to make a big sci-fi movie like if you are not already a known director with you know billions of dollars worth of movies like that you've already made in your pocket you're not there no one's going to give you money to make a sci-fi flick Mm. you have to prove yourself over and over and over again to come out and be, you know, a J.J. Abrams or a Chris Nolan or whoever, like making sci-fi flicks that explode, like on the big screen, that get big. So Jordan Peele took horror, which is like his favorite thing in the whole world, took horror and was like, okay, well, I'm just going to sneak it in. I'm just going to sprinkle a little sci-fi on. And the next movie, I'm just going to get a little bit more sci-fi. And then by the third one, when I'm big already, now it's, we're full on. This is a sci-fi movie and I'm doing great. I think horror is the easiest genre of all movie genres to get into. Like, like people on freaking YouTube with 10 bucks and a packet of ramen are making like incredible (laughs) short story horror films that are legitimately scary with their iPhones. Like no one's doing any work or like, crazy cgi it doesn't take a big budget there's all these things that can go into horror and it doesn't have to be a billion dollar thing but sci-fi is that billion dollar thing because it's all prosthetics it's all cgi like aliens or planets or whatever so you have to like build your reputation up before anyone will even bother handing you a sci-fi script or like hey we thought you might be good at this no one's doing that for some no name like horror director or no name anybody. You have to have like built yourself up before you can even break into sci-fi. So, I think horror is the easiest one and then you just have to work your way up into whatever the real genre you want to work in is. And real quick off of that, I think sci-fi and horror uh, you can plug things in easily with oh, it. Yeah. Um one of my best uh metaphors or just connections is uh, the movie Alien. Mm-hmm. With Sigourney Weaver, uh, it it crosses all the checks for uh, like a horror movie. You know, you you got to have a final girl. Even at the beginning, Sigourney Weaver, that's the final girl in it. The person that has to defeat the evil thing and claustrophobic things. Uh, I've seen so many sci-fi movies where it's in like one area, just like Signs. 
sure, there's the cornfield, but they're in that house in just different levels trying to fight off the alien in it. And it just works. It's Mm -hmm. something about sci-fi and just horror that just blends so well together. I think it's just the unknown. Mm. And sci-fi is all about like, well, I mean, we heard something on the outside of the spaceship. What could it be? Just like I heard a knockout outside of the cabin. What could it be? It just, it can work. Ah, We just watched a really good one, actually. A sci-fi horror called uh, No No One Will Save You um, on Hulu. And it's similar. Like, it's very scary in that you feel like you're in it. And then there's just like the presence of aliens. And you're like, oh, dear God, what is happening? (laughs) You're like freaking out for the, the character in the movie because... This is so scary now. Like the horror was already scary, but then you threw in aliens and it made it worse. Like if it was ghosts, it would be scary, but then you threw in the unknown, which is aliens, and it just makes it so much worse. Yeah. Eldritch horrors. That's good. I like that answer a lot. That's really smart. Um, okay. So there's a lot of thematic elements to this movie, as we've mentioned. It 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 blends all these different ideas together really well. It does a bunch of, it's doing a bunch of different things, I think. But what themes stood out to you guys that you want to discuss? So the, the, the big one, the one that's hitting you in the face, is just these... Uh, and some of the white people seem like they're coming from a good place, good intentions, but they want you know, <laughs> yeah, the, agree, the, the African-American <laughs> experience. They want to be... <laughs> They want to be black because, and one person says it, it's what? It's, it's, it's the trendy thing. It's fashionable. It's fashionable to be black right now. And they're like, yeah, Colonel why Sanders would I like not an ass. be? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it always makes me smile. One line, I can't remember what comedian said it, but I've heard it all my life, is that people, people want to be black until you have to be black. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when things get wild, they're like, oh, shit, I didn't know it was like this. I'm like, yeah, bud. <laughs> like, well, welcome to the party, man. Like, and it's, it's always funny. Um, what was it? Sam Smith, that musician. Um, he was with his friend, um, uh, African-American lady, and she got like a ton of racism tossed at her and he was there and he witnessed it. And he's like, oh my God, is, is this how it is? Like, yeah, but it can be like that. And yeah. he's like, oh my God. It's like, how could, how did I not see this? I'm like, eh, it's all right. <laughs> Things can happen. It happens to everybody. It was just, you know, it's, I think that's the biggest theme and it's, uh, it's ridiculous. I've never like Stepford Wives. Wives kind of has that same kind of feel, but boy howdy, I've never thought. Wouldn't it be scary if white people or just people wanted to just take your body from you because you know your body is stronger, faster, or just cooler? And I'm like, that's so weird. <laughs> oh, yeah, such a weird idea. And on top of the idea of white people coveting black bodies, this is also like rich people not knowing what the hell they're getting into um (laughs) this is they're very much all of these folks are just like you know well-off white folks who have no concept of reality of the real world of what anything is like they're just like oh yeah you know my eyes are kind of messed up and he has really good eyes because he's a photographer so i want to take his body and it's like that's a great story bro (laughs) but then you get out on the street in the body of a black man and you're perception of the world has to completely change the way that you interact with people unfortunately will change completely the way that law enforcement interacts with you is 
completely different. Like, uh, there's a couple in there, Lakeith Stanford, right? Yeah. Uh, he is like the the dad or the the man in the relationship, and he his wife is like moving him around through this party, and the only thing that was going through my mind in that scene when his wife is kind of like curtailing him through the party is how you explain it to (laughs) anyone else after this has happened. Like if (laughs) like, how do you explain that now, you know, my husband died or whatever story. And now I'm into this young, attractive black man. And he's all of a sudden in this place of like, now you have millions of dollars. Now you have all this. Now you have that. But he also has a target on his back because he's black. Like it's so messed up (laughs) and just the inability of rich people to understand what the real world is like their clouded vision on their perception of the world. This is my, this is my favorite part of the movie is that these people think that blackness is wasted on the black they think that these people that that that, like keith stanfield chris and the rest of them are just living wrong and that's why they can't be as successful and rich as they are and if they were in that body then they would do things differently and it wouldn't be a problem for them they wouldn't put up with it they wouldn't uh you know have to they wouldn't uh stand for this or they would uh they would accept it with more grace or or whatever right it's right it's this idea it's this extreme idea of privilege like like you're saying they don't understand what they're getting themselves into but it's also this belief that they are better than these people to the degree that if they had their bodies there, they wouldn't have the same problems that these people have. Yeah. Oh, wild. I love that. I love that. That's, that's my favorite part of the whole movie. I, and honestly, I can't even fathom being Lakeith Stanfield's character. Like, because, you know, deep down in the sunken place, the true Lakeith Stanfield is in there, right? He's witnessing from whatever's the sunken place. He's seeing what's happening to his body and then this old man with old white man ideas and talk like and speech and everything is just in his body now walking around like i can't even imagine meeting a you know 20 something year old black man who just spoke like colonel sanders (laughs) or who acted like a pompous rich white dude like rich or not there there are plenty 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 of famous rich black celebrities but i can't even imagine any of them being as pompous and like gross as these people were yeah would <laughs> be weird yeah i think there's some examples out there <laughs> <laughs> probably personally <laughs> i think there are some people on uh one side of the uh, the aisle that um i think uh, I'm starting to wonder. Yeah, you're right. I'm starting, you're right. To, I'm starting to be like, hmm. <laughs> well, kind of like touching on that idea of like having to sit there and watch everything happening. I love the way that that's tied in with uh, like Chris's character, right? Because he has this traumatic experience where the thing that haunts him about it is the fact that he did nothing. He couldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and then for his ultimate demise or like the the punishment or the 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 
thing that all these people have to suffer through is being stuck inside of a body where they lose all agency and they're not able to do anything. I felt like that is just so well tied together. Oh, yeah. 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 Every time he's tied to the chair, it's like extra. It's extra for Chris, right? It's not just that he can't move. It's that this is the, this is the thing he's most afraid of. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's good stuff. Um, okay. So as far as we can tell, all of the victims of the Armitage family are black men, except for Georgina. Um, do you have any ideas about why men specifically are targeted more than women? Yes. <laughs> Please share. Men are gullible as fuck. <laughs> as a whole. Oh Not white or black or any, no racial anything. Y'all fall for it. Okay. And especially like Allison Williams, she's very beautiful. Like it would be her, the idea of just this very beautiful woman in basically entrapping a number of men does not surprise me at all. It happens literally all the time. It doesn't like the fact that there was a woman there was impressive. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like good for you, Allison Williams for pulling for pulling a woman as beautiful as uh, the girl is in this movie. Georgina. 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 Yeah. Good on you, Allison Williams, but everybody else. Yeah. I, I buy that they fell for it. <laughs> that is so funny. That is the best reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's easy. Because it's yeah. easier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Women, women are questioning. Like, again, George, the fact that she got Georgina is impre- like the most impressive to me because women question everything about a relationship. From minute one of texting, like, what are your intentions? What is happening? Where, where are we going? What are we doing? You know, we are constantly in this mindset, this fear and mindset of like, I don't want to get kidnapped. I'm not trying to get raped. I'm not trying to get cut up. I'm not trying to be, you know, on the next episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Like, there's all of these things that women are constantly thinking about when you get into a relationship or when you're starting a relationship out with somebody new. And men I love you all, but the idea is literally how can I get it in and how long is it going to take me? <laughs> That's it. The, your thought process is like it's there. And yeah, I, I, it would be very easy for Allison Williams Katie, to just. I'd like to say you're wrong, but it. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I know you can't. You're so right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, someone out there is going to say, not all men. And whatever, but not, well, let's, let's change mind. it to not enough men. How about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So, what do you think happened to the other people, the other men that are in these photos? Like, why aren't they at the party as well? If if all of them are being right, um, possessed, right? Where are they now? So it, it's weird. They kind of make it seem like this is a big organization. But it it's odd because it, it kind of they play it like this family are the only ones that know the process to right. do this. Right. But I like to think, you know, Rose and Jeremy, they're snatching up uh, like these black people and they're probably sending them all out into the world. This was just uh, New York. Um, I think I it was in New York, I think Cause I they, they, they said they saw Andre, I think, in Brooklyn somewhere. 
Yeah, so that's right. That's right. Somewhere in the woods of New York. But man, I like to think that like, hey, uh, you know, uh, hey, Benjamin, you know, I know you're in Arizona, but we found you a nice, nice black body and he's a swimmer. Like, oh, sweet. <laughs> you know, I'll be up there in a day, you know. Yes, uh, upstate New like York. Th- Although it was filmed in Alabama. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> so my guess is that these are people who have died. Like you, you know, you transferred the body or the brain into one body and maybe the process only works the one time like you can't then remove it from that body into another body Mm. so like those are great grandparents or uncles or cousins or whoever whose like body ended up dying in some other way now that they have already been in this black body like they got into a car accident or they got really sick or you know the person had cancer and they didn't know about it some other way and you know they lived their life as long as they could and then that was it like sorry you're out of options yeah and um i I guess my personal theory on this is that like the coagula method has been developed over time like clearly this is a cult of people who have probably been probably been after immortality for centuries right they they, that's been like the thing that they passed down through the generations and um we're told that it's important that both sides of this coagula know what's going on that apparently helps for the process to work for to take its effect which implies that it hasn't always worked so i'm wondering (laughs) if some of these guys just died during the 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 process um i also think it's totally viable that they could it could have been working and that they go somewhere else um but i think that uh this is like just the tip of the iceberg into what could be countless victims because this is specifically rose's list of victims you know she has the pictures of them in her bedroom mounted like you would mount so many deer after you go hunting you know um she is this is her uh method of catching their victims but we also get to see that jeremy has his own methods of doing the exact same thing and it's possible my theory is that you are better off with the like more psychological approach where they go into it kind of as these scared victims who are um you know trapped in their mind as opposed to literally being choked out and then forced into it you know maybe that's why jeremy's always so i don't know anxious over there because he's like let me do something uh and they might be just past his methods the wrangling is maybe not the way to go although we do see andre get wrangled at the beginning but um, you know, it could be that this is the new way that they're going in this more hypnosis, psychological, uh, you know, terrorizing them inside their mind direction. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have, an, I have another question that's not written here. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, uh, Chris is trying to kill Rose. You know, he's choking her. And then she starts to smile in this, like, really creepy fashion. What do you think that means? Oh. Yeah. So this happens a lot in movies. Uh, The best idea or metaphor I can think of is uh, like Star Wars. You know, the emperor wants Luke to give in to the the, the dark side because it makes him easier to do wild stuff later. He's like, yeah, your dad's over there. He's kind of a piece of shit. You should beat him up, you know? (laughs) And then he's watching him fight his dad. And he's like, yes, he's clapping because he's like, cool. Like, he's going to go evil because he's doing this. I think laying on the ground, Rose, out of options because she tried to play the, I I love you. Don't don't kill me. (laughs) I'm sorry. 
I was hypnotized. They did it to me, you know, <laughs> just playing all her cards. But then, you know, you, Chris starts choking her. And then she's like, yeah, that was just making all that up. It's just, it shows that she is absolutely insane. And it's just, I think it shows Chris that he doesn't want to be like her because if he choked her out in the middle of the street, he wouldn't be any better than them. Though it's weird because it's kind of a self-defense thing, but she was already down. And I, I always tell Katie cause uh, Katie loves Disney and the, the third act of Disney films, the bad guy never gets murdered by the hero. It's something happens. So like uh, my favorite metaphor is like Tarzan where uh, Clayton is like, you son of a bitch, come back here. And he's like, Clayton, slow down, man. Those vines are going to like mess you up. And he's like, don't tell me what to do. And he chokes himself out and he dies. And Tarzan's like, oh, well, I told you. <laughs> it's, it, it's the Disney method. You know, it's like the bad guy's already down. You're supposed to give them mercy. Don't do that. That's bad. Bad people choke people out in the middle of the street. Stop. Don't do that. And Chris, let go, you know? And so I just think, <laughs> what do you think, Katie? Well, no, I was shaking my head at letting them go. Like <laughs> these people, these people kidnapped you, hypnotized you, put you into the sunken place, tried to take your brain and put in an old white person brain. Like, no, that's grounds for murder. I, I, or, that's grounds for murder. <laughs> like you've already crossed my like it's time to kill you threshold. Okay. Like I don't care. <laughs> okay, okay, I, I got it. I got an addendum. Chris lets her go. And then he gets up and you think like, oh, he's walking away. And then we see the shadow come back and he's just got a big rock and just like <laughs> and plops it on her head. And then it's like, that's no, the end of the movie. No, I think, I think the smile, I think the smile is uh, Jordan Peele's nod to horror, like horror as a whole in general, at the end of most of the big horror movie, like the big series of horror movies like Chucky and Michael and Jason and all of their movies, Freddy. At the end of any given movie, the bad guy is, or the killer is, quote, killed. But as they're being killed, they're like happy about it. The ones that have faces, they like smiling about it because they know this isn't the end. Like, you're killing me, but like, I'm going to come back back even stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to come back even stronger. And I feel like that's. That's what Rose was doing when she smiled. She was like, you can try and kill me, but like everyone who's in this organization knows who you are and what the plan was. So like we could easily have a sequel down the line and Daniel Kaluuya has got to deal with it again. So (laughs) there you go. I think that's what it was. (laughs) Benjamin, you have any theories? I think, I think a lot of it, I just put on the horror genre it's way scarier to have her be like oh i i I like like i'm just gonna smile because i'm a psychopath this is not how you'd expect me to react maybe a little part of it is that she's like we still like we still succeeded because we changed you you know you're Mm. a killer now just like us but I don't, I, I don't know. The, like, that to me is cope. I, I just think it's mostly scary. <laughs> I, I, here's, here's what I think. Um, I think that if he kills her, kind of like what you guys are saying, it proves them right about black people, right? You are not worthy of this body. Look, you've become a murderous beast, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, are, um, you are exactly the thing that we always thought you were. And now when you are killing me here and, and the other thing is that, look, you've overpowered me again. We are right. 
black bodies are more powerful than white bodies. Um, and you know, him being there on top of her, choking her out, is proof that uh, they were right about everything they always believed. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, last question for you, Otis. Um, is this movie TSA <laughs> propaganda? <laughs> so, when I was thinking about this, uh, yes, it, it is. Because in horror movies, the police, when you talk to them, it's very much a, well, I mean, you said your friend Benjamin, like he was going on a trip or something and it's been two days. So maybe he's just taking a long time to get back, you know? And it's like, no, I know my friend, something's wrong. Well, you know, you got to wait another day, you know? And usually in a horror movie, the cop will come at the end. It's like, what's happening here? And then they get stabbed by the evil thing. And it's like, oh, thank you, useless cop, man. You did nothing to help us. It's funny to see that Rod being a TSA just agent does all of this work by himself and is just awesome. And at the end, it's one of the best lines in the movie. And he's like, you know, Chris is like, how'd you find me, man? He's like, because I'm the TS motherfucking A and we handle shit. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they do. They handle shit. Uh, it's, it's the best. It, it's I love and sometimes the trope in scary movies is the best friend is sometimes useless and they're just there to die to get the final girl or guy to get stronger, you know? And sometimes the best friend is absolutely awesome. A movie we did, uh, Fresh, the best friend found where she was and helped her take out the Winter Soldier and, and survive in that movie. And yeah, it's just a really good friend trope. And that makes me happy inside to see it. <laughs> It is definitely a unique element of this movie, having like this B plot, you know, happening where you're constantly kind of leaving the action to find out what Rod's up to. And yeah. the fact that he kind of, he sort of figures it out really fast and then acts on it is very satisfying. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it, it makes the whole thing um, a, a lot more fun. Um, yeah, I actually, I do, look, go, ahead, go ahead. Well, I think it is a great subversion of what I think a lot of people's expectations are for the TSA, because I think a lot of people... <laughs> Think of the TSA as annoying. They're not really doing anything. Why do I have to take my shoes off? Uh, kind of thing. So having somebody from the TSA who isn't just from the TSA, but is very proud of that fact and is constantly flaunting the fact that he's part of the TSA actually deliver on something, I think is a great, uh, it's a surprise, you know, it's a great subversion of our expectations. Um, what, and again, it is very unique. I can't remember another movie I've seen where a character is in the TSA and they, <laughs> that let alone a character who does something I like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I actually looked up a bunch of stuff about the TSA cause I was leading this question. Um, there was a study that the Homeland Security, the Homeland Security did in 2015 where they sent through 70 like uh, packages or people to see if they um, would um, like if the TSA would catch them, right? They like strapped yeah. like fake bombs to them and had like all sorts of stuff in them. Guess how many they caught? Zero. That's that's or they caught three. Uh, three? Oh my god! Less ninety five percent failure. Wow. Oh. In fact, in fact, they even patted a guy down who had a fake bomb attached to his back, and they didn't catch him. Wow. Oh no. <laughs> 
that was a long that was seven years ago so uh, the csa statistics according to some people are they're finding more loaded firearms than ever before which i don't know what that means but they are finding more of them but um i actually read this article that was written last year that said like 20 years of failure from the team of csa and just listed all of these testimonials from people that work there and people that have been abused by them and all sorts of stuff so it's it really is a crazy organization um they have this statistic uh for like social good which is like lives saved per dollar spent and um it's like seat belts are like i can't remember the exact number i think it's like 38 dollars. so it, yeah. they cost 38 dollars per life they save right it's and the the general uh idea is that if it's under 10 million dollars then it's worth it for the government to it's like fund it and the TSA has been consistently rated at 15 million but some estimates rate it as high as 667 million dollars per live oh. saved oh my god yes uh, an incredible an incredible waste of money and time right, right but we have movies like get out propping up the TSA they actually mentioned get out and they, in fact they mentioned get out and mentioned the exact line that Otis mentioned and they had a little link to it and say this is a, this is the only benef- the only uh positive thing people think of in the TSA <laughs> oh, that's amazing. There we go. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I've I think I've finished. Oh, I have one more thing I want to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. This movie is so tense, and I think Jordan Peele's all of his movies have like this very there's a lot of tension to them that I think is really palpable. Um, I was feeling it the, almost the most I think um, during the dinner scene where Jeremy is asking. Uh, Chris, if he does martial arts, um, obviously oh, yeah. there's even more tense moments. But this is the point where I was like, I could feel it building to a point, and like it was like it was about to boil. Um, so, Otis Benjamin, what do you think is the secret here? What what do you think is the magic sauce that makes Jordan Peele's atmosphere so tense? You know, what is it? Is it, is it the characters, like the way they stare at each other? Like Jeremy's so unsettling, right? His haircut, his face, the way he talks, like out of the side of his mouth. Right. But like there's other elements to it, too. The, the length between, you know, the length, the, the, how much they hold on a shot. Right. Uh, the way that they've just framed Chris uh, as being like surrounded and stuff like that. Right. What, what do you think is it that what do you think it is that makes that so uh, really gets you in the bones? So I'm like going through like the Rolodex of like movies in my head. I'm trying to think of scenes that made my stomach hurt like this. Yeah. And I think the thing that ties them all together is probably, okay. I have one in my head from inglorious bastards when they're in the basement bar. Yes. And they're trying their best to not be caught as not being, you know, German. And it's just, you can feel the more they talk to these Nazis and it's just like, man, I hope no one slips up. And then, (laughs) you know, it just gets scarier and scarier. I think sometimes it's the actors um, and the actresses. They're really good at it. Um, Jeremy, it's just his face. And I feel bad for saying it like that. It's just just, Jeremy looks like he would do something bad. (laughs) (laughs) And so it just makes it easier to, to see that like, oh, he really wants to fight Chris to see if he could win a fight. That's what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, yeah, he absolutely wants to try to beat him up to see. It's like, oh, okay, you got this cool body. And if you just tried harder, you'd be like unstoppable. I think I could take you. You know, I think I could beat you up. You know, I, it's, 
it's a combination. I can't re- even remember if there was any music playing at that point. I'm not sure. And it might have been quiet. It. I think it is pretty quiet. There's not even yeah. like a there's not even like a stinger when they open the door and you see Georgina staring out yeah. with the carrot cake, right? But unlike the time when she's like when Chris is going for the uh, smoke and she walks behind him, right? And there's the yeah. ding. And I was like, Jordan Peele, why'd you do that? <laughs> but no, there's, think, there, there's not even anything yeah. like that. It's just, she's just there in the background and the, the tension, the atmosphere in that moment is enough to just kind of rattle you. Yeah. Yeah. I think certain directors just know that like, oh, this is good. I don't have to add anything to it and just let it just marinate and be creepy. Just like I said, this movie just is constantly just making you feel weird Yeah, every word every sentence said to chris is just like what did that really mean there was something to that and chris's face he's trying his best to be cool with everything and it's just i just think it's just that weirdness it just oh man just makes you feel just goofy inside i love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i agree for me it's a mystery it's not what you know it's what you don't know yeah Yeah. because again rewatching this movie i think it's just as interesting but probably not as scary because you, you do know what's going on. But when you see the door open and Georgina is holding a tray and she's staring very kind of almost angry. And it's like, why is she doing that? <laughs> what, <Yeah. laughs> like, I don't know why she's doing that. That's why I'm scared because I, I don't know if, what I'm supposed to take away from that. Um, you know, everybody seems to be really interested in Chris. Why? Right. It's, it's not knowing the answer to that question that really gets under your skin. Everybody's acting just a little bit off and there's little clues being dropped every, you know, so often, but it's not clear to you until it's far too late, until your, yeah. your main character is way under and, um, you know, they're in the sunken place. I feel like the pacing of this film is amazing in the way that they keep you, they keep stringing you along with the mystery and even put on in some red herrings. The, the, it's so well written. The uh, way that when he's talking about, after Chris talks to Walter for the first time and he talks to Rose and says, I don't think he wants us to be together. I think he's upset that we're together. And then she's like, oh, so you think I have a chance with him? You know, she's joking, which (laughs) is kind of like a misdirect, but also is a reference to the fact that she brought him here as her boyfriend. It's like, dang, that's amazing. (laughs) So stuff like that, I think, um, yeah, just the mystery is really what is bone chilling to me. I, yeah. yeah, Otis, yeah, you've mentioned like language, the use of language too a, few, a couple of times. And I think that's also a really outstanding part of this movie, especially that moment when Chris is face to face with Georgina and they're talking about the phone being unplugged, right? And he's like, oh, I didn't want to snitch on you. I didn't want to rat you out. And she doesn't really understand what that means, right? <laughs> oh, and man. he's like, oh, tattletale. Um, like <laughs> the, the simple like use of language there is so illustrative, right? It really gives you a lot about what this character, like what's going on in Georgina's head, even though you have no idea exactly yet, right? You get this idea that she's like, she has no connection to the things that uh, Chris does, right? No connection to whatever, wherever she came from and is either so inoculated into this white culture or completely lost whatever it was that she previously had, right? And um, yeah, I, I, think that's, I think it's really, it's a really masterful way to write a script. And yeah, um, yeah I, I think there's I think there's probably even more examples of that was the one that probably stood out to me the most. But uh, just the just the, like the uh, the way that they were appraising him, I think the the, the words that they use there certainly uh, make a difference. But I think that that kind of generational divide 
or just like the class or race divide there between like the, that language barrier. Um, really uh, subtle, but just excellent. Okay, well, that is going to bring us to the end of our overall section, and we're going to take it to a break. But don't go anywhere, because when we come back, we're going to talk about our cool Easter eggs and deliver our ratings. We'll be right back. Wake that ass up. Uh, in the morning. Apple Chat Podcast. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Let's go. This is your Please don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. Or at least until after I've listened to the new Affable Chat. Nice shot, assholes! Hey! Hey, can you hear me? You need to wake up! Oh, good morning to you too, Dad. <laughs> morning was two hours ago. Hey, this isn't my coffee. Where's my finely ground Kenya blend from Starbucks? Sometimes patients that are in a coma retreat into a fantasy world and are unable to wake up. Get the fuck out of bed, bitch, go. Their fantasy world is just like their real life, except they aren't in a coma. The only way to wake up is to find audio messages urging them to wake up. Wake up, gotta wake up, bitch, get up. Even after hearing these messages, sometimes it takes months for them to please, please wake, wake up. up. And we're back with Otis, and we're going to talk about our cool Easter eggs from Get Out, and we'll start with you, Otis. What cool Easter eggs have you got? So it's, it's funny. When this movie came out, there was, uh, what is it called? When they kind of screen a movie to just show it off before, and it had another ending, and he was... It, it felt like Jordan wanted this alternate ending to be the real ending because he felt like it was the real one. It should happen like this. So I'll just be real quick and just explain what that alternate ending was. Cause boy, howdy it's depressing, but <laughs> Jordan said like, that's how it would probably go. So when Chris is choking out Rose on the ground and we see the lights go off, and even in the theaters, everyone said, like, that dread just washed over everybody. Like, oh, shit, the cops, you know? They're going to see this black guy choking out a white woman in the middle of the street. And there's dead bodies everywhere. So in the alternate ending, it was the cops. And they grab him. Katie thought that he would just get murdered there. And that was one option that Jordan thought about. Like, what if they just shot him because he's attacking somebody? But then Chris is locked up. And they're going over the evidence and Rod comes to visit him and Rod tells him like, Hey man, just, you haven't said anything. You got to tell these people what this family did. And because of Missy's hypno uh, hypnotism over her, over him, he can't say anything. Oh, He's wow. frozen. And so his face, and he has this face of like, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm screwed. Like I'm, I'm gone. But he says, at least the family can't do this to anyone else. And, and Chris takes that, at least I got a little victory out of this. And Rod leaves. And, it, you know, it, obviously, Chris is going to get, like, life for this. You know, he murdered, a, murdered quotation mark, a lot of white people in that, <laughs> in that building. So that was the ending that Jordan Peele thought of. And given some of the situations in life, like Trayvon Martin, there were a lot of real instances 
of the worst ending happening that he finally said that I think the moviegoers, the viewers of the movie, they deserve some type of W. And so he changed it that Rod comes up. And I think that's, it's good that he did that, but boy, howdy, um, Stephen King loves doing this. He loves killing characters because he's like, because that's realistically, they would die, you know? <laughs> and it's like, they were at the end. He's like, yeah. And then Benjamin stopped the bomb, but it still went off. Yeah. So he saved the day. I'm like, but why, Stephen King? And he's like, mm. and it just, he, he doesn't care. But I'm happy that Jordan Peele was like, I guess, I, okay, Chris will make it, I guess. And everybody's like, yay. You know, they, they cheer. So um, another cool Easter egg, the the whole night situation. So Jeremy has this helmet in his car. And at the beginning, when he attacks Andre, he has just a helmet on. And so Jordan Peele talks about that. That armor is a reference to the family belonging to a secret society uh, descended from the Knights Templar. And so the Knights Templar are kind of involved with the Holy Grail. And then... Their journey is to find the way to eternal life. And so Jordan Peele says, this is the family, the descendant family, found a way for eternal life. It's like, oh, cool. Well, we'll just hop into bodies. And so that's why Jeremy just, I don't know, uses tradition. And he's like, well, I'm still a knight. And he puts on his helmet Mm. as he chokes people out in the middle of the street. You know? Wow, that makes (laughs) a lot of sense. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, Eddie Murphy was originally going to play Chris. Uh, but obviously, Eddie Murphy is way too old. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Jordan Peele got the idea for this story from stand-up of Eddie Murphy. I believe it was Delirious. And Eddie Murphy talked about black people in scary movies. And, you know, the girlfriend's like, this is a nice house, you know. And then, he, you know, the, the guy just hears a voice says, get out. And he's like, you're right, evil voice, I'm out. <laughs> and, and Jordan Peele said that joke stuck with him so long. He's like, what if... I made a movie where all the signs are happening. Like you need to get out. And Rod is like, he says, I think Rod says it to him like at least two or three times. He's like, you need to get out, dude. And he's like, okay. Okay. And then he's like, oh, you got snatched up. You should have got out. (laughs) I told you so. Yeah. yeah. I I thought that was really, really cool. And one more cool Easter egg. Uh, At the beginning of the movie, uh, the lyrics, when um, it's like a driving scene, then it shows like uh, the woods and the road and it's words. I want to say, I don't know if it's in Latin or some African language, but Jordan Peele translated it and it says, brother run, listen to the elders, listen to the truth, run away, save yourself. And so just like in the thing where if you know Norwegian, the movie is solved in the first couple of minutes. Uh, There's a couple of movies where they will, Go out of the way to not tell you what the translation is because it'll be like, well, you'll know what this movie's about if we tell you what this is. <laughs> That's cool. And I thought that was really cool. That's really cool. So um, I've got a couple of Easter eggs for you. Um, first one, due to the success of this film, Jordan Peele became the first African-American writer, producer, and director to earn more than $100 million in a debut film. Yeah, really, really impressive debut film from you know any director, but also you know we could use more diversity in Hollywood, um, and it's nice to see that his efforts were rewarded. Um, again, I mean, I, I love all of his films so far. I'm excited to see more. Uh, but when this movie first came out, I was like, 
I mean, the 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 hype was so real. It's like Jordan Peele, the guy from Key and Peele, who's like (laughs) funny, you know, like he's making incredible social commentary in horror movies. This is like like just crazy. So um, I still remember how much of a cultural phenomenon this movie was, and how like the sunken place became kind of uh, you know a a meme. Uh, So I yeah, all that stuff. I mean, he's just really came onto the scene so strongly and we're still enjoying the stuff that he's bringing to us now. Um, and my other Easter egg. So Jim Hudson is the name of the blind art dealer who ends up, uh, you know, <laughs> purchasing Chris, but Jim Hudson is also the name of a big, like car dealership owner here in Columbia, South Carolina, where I live. And he's a, the type of guy who does like those annoying car commercials where he'll be like, like deals, deals, deals. Like Jim Hudson's gone crazy. Like, uh, you know, like I've, I've got like too many cars and I'm passing the savings on to you, you know, that kind of thing. So watching this with my fiance yesterday, they're like, that's Jim Hudson. She's like, Jim Hudson, like, I was like, what is he doing? How do you get into this movie? Yeah. <laughs> he like drives so, up in a car. Yeah, like, it was, this one's for you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Notice how all those cars that we drove here looked the same. The hidden meaning isn't that they're all black because someone here is going to leave in a black body. It's that they're all sold to them by me, Jim Hudson. Like, <laughs> so, uh, not that this would be really, an, like, this would happen to really anybody besides someone from Columbia, South Carolina, but it was a total immersion breaker. Like, we were so, like, t- like that's during the party season. I was like, why is everybody saying all this weird stuff to him? And then Jim Hudson. Jim Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> At two, Jim Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Um, okay, I, I have a couple of them. Uh, first of all, I, I, uh, this movie does take a lot of homages. Uh, one of them, I, th- I think, and maybe this isn't right or not, but Lakeith Stanfield, very notable, very prominent actor. Um, he is uh, kidnapped and, and killed you know, uh, at the very beginning of the movie, which is very similar to how Drew Barrymore goes out in Scream. Um, she was like on all of the posters and everything, but then she's murdered in the first like five minutes, um, which is it's a uh, it's an iconic uh, thing to do in a, in a horror movie. So I, I absolutely loved using Lakeith in this way. Um, I found this on Wikipedia, but then I actually found the actual article from it, and this is this is just amazing. I love this so much. Okay, so every year the Hollywood Reporter interviews um, Oscar voters, the people that actually vote for the Oscars. Uh, to like win the, the, the awards, right? And um, they have a anonymous like um, interview where they interview someone anonymously. And this is what they wrote in 2018 about Get Out. <laughs> then I eliminated Get Out. It's a good B movie and I enjoyed it. But what bothered me after, afterwards was that instead of focusing on the fact that this was an entertaining little horror movie that made quite a bit of money, they started trying to suggest it had deeper meaning than it does. And as far as I'm concerned, they played the race card and that really <laughs> turned me off. In fact, at one of the luncheons, the lead actor, Daniel Kalula, uh, who is not from the United States, he's British, uh, was giving a le- lecture on racism in America and how black lives matter. And I thought, what does this have to do with Get Out? They're trying to make me think that if I don't for this, for this movie, I'm a racist. I was really offended. That sealed it for me. <laughs> oh, my God. So if, if you, as if you ever need any more evidence that the Oscars are complete bullshit and run by a bunch of hacks... Um, here you here you are. Uh, exhibit G 
um, from my yeah. list of Oscar. Jeez. Why you don't watch the Oscars? <laughs> oh, amazing! Gosh. I know. <laughs> Whoosh! <laughs> it's a, it really is great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Um, one other thing, I just want to shout this out. There's, I read this really great article from the Atlantic about eyes and cameras and how they're used in get out uh, i recommend just reading the article which i'll i have the link here benjamin if you don't mind putting i'll it put in it the in the description show, in, show notes um but essentially the idea is that cameras and uh like uh eyes or whatever are used as sort of a barrier uh between white people and black people in this movie chris uses his camera as sort of a separating device that he can observe the white people without getting kind of sucked into whatever game they were playing right doesn't exactly work but it's his coping mechanism then when he takes the picture of of uh, he's sanfield's character um it, the flash like goes off and and uh you know resets him right um by the way not very good quality control on your hypnotism um and brain science <laughs> if it goes up with a flashing light you know sends it off but anyway the the, the connection that this uh, article made was that um Taking pictures and video, especially with the ubiquity of smartphones in the modern era, has been a great tool to exposing racial injustice um, in in today's in today's world. And this is sort of a, they said this is sort of a um, reference to that by taking his picture, the facade is revealed suddenly, and um, it is sort of the key, right? It is the key to Rod finding out where it's going on and everything. And because it gets to the outer world, the wider world, then it becomes completely revealed. So um, as a, it's sort of a twist on like the surveillance estate in a way, right? Yeah. Or surveillance in horror movies as being this kind of negative thing. It's become this, it's this tool that's used by the protagonist and his friends to aid him in his time of need. Yeah, I really like that. I thought the, the POV shots were really creative um and and really set him apart and also yeah. yeah like i mean just focusing on perspective at all i feel like it can bring so much meaning into your film definitely well uh, the one scene that uh if we're talking like perspective and like forced perspective kind of situation is when walter is just running straight at the camera oh my god and <laughs> i forgot there's a specific movie that jordan peele is referencing i want to say it's a hitchcock film where something just comes directly at the screen and, you know, Hitchcock was going for the, well, it's coming to get you. Yeah, and yeah. I, I thought it was great. It's so creepy to see someone just run straight at you full Especially speed. He's so fast. He's so freaking yeah. fast. He's like really it's pumping so, his arms. Like his head's not even moving. Yeah. yeah. It's so creepy, man. Ugh. Reminded me of Terminator 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that oh, yeah. kind of emotionless running. Yeah. No breathing, just running. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, that's going to bring us to the end of our cool Easter eggs, and it's going to bring us to the end of our conversation on Get Out. As we do at the end of every episode of Affable Chat, we'll now deliver our ratings, and we'll go to our guests first. Otis, what rating do you want to give to Get Out? So my rating, Katie uh, texted me her her rating, but my rating is a first class ticket to the sunken place sex slave party. <laughs> <laughs> and then Katie's rating for this movie is voting for Obama for a third and a fourth term. Nice. Oh, way to one up the father there. He didn't oh even mention gosh. a fourth term. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, I, I love you, the, I love the Obama connection. Yeah. Um, 
I give this movie uh, playing bingo with some old white racists. Heck yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, and I uh, give this movie a promotion to federal security director, the highest rank in the TSA. Oh, that's awesome. It's earned it. This movie has earned it. <laughs> uh, well, there you have it. Get out on Affable Chat. Um, thank you so much to our guests, Otis and Katie. Um, Otis, tell the people where they can find you. So we are on just about any app for podcasts. Uh, search for Allentown Presents. That's the name of the network of what we do. Uh, Katie has a podcast with her cousin, uh, Real Lit, where they just get drunk and they talk about literature and Katie finds some really crappy B movie and goes over it. Uh, we do something called 20 minutes at the bar where after trivia on Tuesdays, we talk about something random for 20 minutes and we've done almost 200 episodes of that. Nice. Um, Katie and I, we love comic books. I love wrestling. So there will be more on that network. And we, we, me and my friends, we do D and D. So I want to get, do something, just audio version of something D and D, but uh, search for Allentown Presents, or if you want to hear about a weekly scary movie, in October we do a movie every day, so we do 31 scary movies, uh, search for Spooky Movie Squad. And if you want to email us a question, or if you have any references or a movie that we should do, uh, just email us at allentownpresents at gmail.com. Excellent. Oh, excellent. All right. Thanks again. And I've, and I've been on your podcast. Yeah. I've been on your podcast twice to do, to do movies. Uh, I was on Ready or, Ready, for, Ready or Not, which came out a couple of days ago. And then last year, we did The Mist, which was yes. a great, that was a great time. Really good episode. <laughs> really good episode. Yeah, so head on over there. Check Joey out on Allentown Presents. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode. Joey, what's next on Affable Chat? Next, we are doing Moneyball, moving Ooh. into the realm of baseball. Yes. And Brad Pitt. I've heard Moneyball gets referenced so much. Have you seen it, Otis? Yeah. Yes, uh, it's a good one. Sports-wise, it's a pretty solid movie. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. AffableChat.com is your new favorite website on the internet. There you can find the latest from us and all our social accounts, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all of which are at AffableChat, and our email address, AffableChat at gmail.com. If you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, now sink into the floor and enter the affable place where you'll be embodied by an affable chat fan who will only listen to this podcast forever and ever and ever and ever. Such wise advice. Tell your friend that. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.